This is a Diet of Brussels. What's the impact of the uh, European Councils that we've had uh, in March of this year? You'll have noticed that the European Councils that we had uh, in the past two weeks uh, with the Turks discussing the immigration crisis, I haven't done the thing that I've done in previous European Councils where I did a little bit of what might, you might expect happens, what's actually been the consequences that come out. And I think uh, that in of itself tells you something about the changing nature of this uh, EU referendum debate. For me, the key development uh, of the European Councils was not so much that there was a deal agreed back in uh, February, but rather that uh, immediately after that deal was agreed, David Cameron had a press conference where he talks exclusively about British politics. He didn't talk about the EU or Europe at all. He said, here's what we need, we've made the case, off we go, and we campaign to stay in. And really, since then, uh, the British issue has not been a big uh, part of European Council uh, deliberations or discussions. Um, and quite understandably, that from the perspective of David Cameron and the British government, they've achieved their... Uh, initial goal, which is to get a deal, they now have to go back to the British public uh, and deal with that. And I think the European institutions have been quite clear that uh, they realise or recognise that it's going to be highly counterproductive for them to get involved in a British debate, and as such they want to stay back uh, from that uh, and not get involved, and uh, basically the next point of contact will be the European Council that happens on the 23rd, 24th of June, uh, just as the referendum is happening, purely by coincidence, it should be pointed out. So I've talked in another podcast uh, about Turkey uh, membership and uh, things like that. It's maybe worth just thinking a little bit about the European Council deal uh, that's been hammered out over the past two weeks uh, whilst... Uh, Brussels police rush around uh, doing various uh, anti-terrorist uh, actions. Um, the key point here really is that the, the European Union and the European Council haven't got any good solutions on the refugee migration uh, crisis that uh, caused so many headlines during last summer that uh, the winter has been much busier for traffic than had uh, been anticipated, and that really, without bringing the Turks into uh, the discussion of finding some kind of uh, deal, uh, they risked having another very bad summer and another one after that. So uh, this is a deal that doesn't uh, look uh, very pretty on either side. Uh, it makes a number of... Uh, assumptions about Turkish democracy that may well not be uh, justified by uh, the facts on the ground. It makes a number of uh, policy promises that look uh, ambitious at best. So uh, this week we've seen uh, the start of the uh, return policy uh, apparently, although uh, it's also clear that Greece lacks the capacity to make uh, many speedy judgments. So we've seen uh, judges from across the EU being moved to Greece to help uh, with the backlog, um, which creates problems of its own. Um, so notwithstanding the fact that this deal looks uh, politically very messy, that it looks uh, 
questionable in its enforceability uh, or indeed in its legality, and I leave that to others to to unpack all of those aspects uh, much more, um, it still represents the uh, best opportunity that the EU and that the European Council have at this stage to try and get a handle on things. That if it does pay off, then potentially it takes a lot of the heat out of the immigration issue. It uh, means that uh, all of those restrictions we saw imposed on Schengen uh, can come off uh, again uh, or be moved to be uh, removed. Um, and I think, you know, in, in terms of mood music and in terms of uh, creating a, a more positive image of the EU, those things are important. In practical terms, I think it's maybe worth just thinking that, this, you know, as much as Schengen has. Uh, taken a very bad blow uh, over the recent months with all of the restrictions that came in uh, since uh, December. Uh, at the same time, you haven't seen a big backlash against that. Yes, there are voices who say that's not good, but in uh, terms of industry, in terms of uh, the day-to-day experience, uh, the disruption's actually been fairly minor. So uh, as long as that continues, uh, it means that actually it, it there isn't a strong public pressure to try and uh, unpack that. And uh, paradoxically, I think that makes it a bit harder for the EU to say, well, we really need to, to push on this. So uh, apart from the uh, the Turkish deal, migrant deal, I think uh, the only other real aside then is just to come back to the British and their position in this. You know, the big concession that David Cameron uh, got was in relation to the uh, so-called tampon tax and the, the application of uh, VAT uh, to uh, sanitary products. Um, well, uh, as uh, various observers have noted, uh, it just kind of gives an idea of the, the different debate that happens in this country compared to the rest of the EU. It's not that David Cameron doesn't care about uh, immigration, it's just that politically he uh, is in a very different position from his uh, 27 counterparts, that he has a referendum to win, he needs to find as many good stories to bring back from Brussels as he can. And I, I think that really what you're seeing here is just an extension of that. So there will be other European councils, but again, I don't think they're going to be very influential Uh, certainly not in a positive sense. They're likely to be holding processes, uh, and certainly from the British government, that's, I think, really the, the extent of their ambition.